0: Here we go in five, four, three, two, one. dedicated to the sixth oldest franchise in minor league hockey this is the rolling thunder podcast here are your hosts matthew harding and the voice of the wichita thunder jason mouths that is right we are back for season number two of the rolling thunder podcast it is harding and malsey at your service for our second season together my friend it has been far too long since we have done one of these how you doing
1: I'm doing well. It's just amazing to me that it's already almost October. I I (laughs) don't even know where the summer went, but, um, you know, it's crazy that NHL training camps are kicking off this week. Football's in full gear and thunder season's just around the corner.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And as we are want to do on this podcast, it is jam-packed and jelly-tight. We have the voice of the San Jose Barracuda, Nick Nollenberger. Who will be joining us? And Wichita Thunder head coach Bruce Ramsey will stop by uh, for a chat uh, with Malzi and I coming up here in just a few minutes. But uh, wanted to, uh, first of all, um, uh, wanted to, uh, before we get going, uh, wanted to uh, make a, um, let me try that again. All right. Before we get going, wanted to say a uh, huge thank you to our friends at the podcast, Hockey Podcast Network, uh, to um, uh, Kyle and his team over there who have been a huge help with us uh, getting everything up and rolling. You can find our podcast as part of that network. Nothing will change from where you can get it at fieldpasshockey.com. Uh, but it is an extra avenue for uh for us to uh, get the podcast out to people which is all uh that we want to do and um uh, you'll hear an ad for DraftKings in here as a a little bit as well and and we've also done some uh work with uh tidying up the transition. so uh some fresh music, some new paint on the walls and everything like that as we've gone through the last 3 months of the off season do want to apologize for not having uh, the podcast during the off season, as we told you, we were going to. Uh, unfortunately, um, life and a month off got in the way. So, uh, and you know, let's face it: there's just not a lot of hockey to talk about in the middle of the summer. Even the Spitting Chicklets podcast takes a month off. So, um, so figured that Malsy needed the summer off. Uh, without me nipping at his heels and wanting to do these. So he got it.
1: I have a eerie feeling you were going to mention their podcast for some reason, not because of what (laughs) happened last week, but (laughs) Hey, you were able to get biz in the middle of our podcast.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, yeah. when, and And I guess this this is as good of a jumping off point as any, since you know we are uh an e c h l podcast, but I think you saw something like this happen uh back in the late part of the Malcolm Cameron days where uh there were players who were very adamant about not playing for him, and um you know granted, you know Malcolm Cameron was doing things differently than the way that Mike Babcock was allegedly doing them but Still you get the feeling that people like that in today's hockey world such as it is, don't belong there. And um, you know good on the former players, Mark, uh, Ryan Whitney, Paul Bissonette, and that group uh, and the players for coming to them and having and, and realizing that they have a large enough platform to uh, to step out and, and, and make these make these allegations and, and make them stick. Um, because um, I don't know if it were anybody else who were taking that shot at Mike Babcock, I don't know if they would have connected. But those guys did, and um, I know Paul Bissonette had a lot writing on it, given his his relationship with TNT and Turner and and the NHL. So uh, good on them for for making that shot work.
1: Yeah, that that story just. This has been a weird week, yes, Matthew, for for sports, not only. NFL um NHL it's it's just crazy some of the things that are coming out but yeah. um I I guess that kind of moves us to as you know as we get ready for the start of this season I it it's fun for me to think about the NHL game coming to Wichita um however obviously there's concern with the fact that we're probably going to be getting professional tryout p- players here instead of the NHL guys, but uh, I'm pretty excited just to have hockey in the building on on Saturday night as the Blues and the Arizona Coyotes get ready to go. And and then we look ahead a week after that, October hits, and players are going to start arriving in town.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. uh, Again, if, if you are, to your point, where did the summer go? (laughs) I mean, it feels like have an answer. Yeah. It feels like that we were just at the rink watching the thunder, you know, try and make the playoffs on the back of, of Trevor Gorsuch. And then here they are. uh, uh, And then here we are again, sitting here getting ready to go for camp. And I mean, coach is up there shooting things and catching a whole bunch of fish. And he's getting ready to go out to (laughs) California as you'll hear in a little bit. and, Um, you know, you guys are making preparations in the front office, ready to go for the season. I know we're, we're getting ready behind the scenes. Um, it's just, it's just really interesting to me to see each year that the, the span of time between April and October get that much more compressed, but let's face it, you know, um, hockey is going the way of football where, Especially in the lower leagues, where you play, uh, where you have a playoff that is just that just drones on and on and on. I think I I think the AHL may still be playing the Calder Cup finals right now, as a matter of fact, <laughs> and the ECHL probably wrapped up around Labor Day. That's where we're at here. Like the playoffs have to be shorter in these leagues. I understand why they're not, but for the casual fan to have uh you know to actually miss the game for more than 90 days um and for the news cycle as well like you have to let the news cycle breathe and I don't think I I think the NHL is doing it the right way because you know there's a point in time where their news cycle is is dead. The ECHL AHL and to a lesser extent, the SPHL, really that new cycle is, is every week. There's somebody new being announced every day uh, across the league. And, um, I don't know, you just, ha- you just have to let that news cycle die down a little bit.
1: You know, it's interesting. You're bringing this up. I just had the same conversation with Dr. Rob Pinier and yes, he earned his doctorate over the summer. So congratulations to him.
0: Congratulations, Rob.
1: He um he covers the American Association throughout the course of the summer. And I know sometimes we talk about that on our broadcast, but you know, they lowered the amount of games that they have in their series. So their their series are now best of three, which I don't think you would ever see that in the ECHL. No. But they finished the playoffs in about two and a half weeks, which Jeez. the NHL you play what five six months and then the playoffs take another three months that just seems um yeah. asinine to me that it takes that long to play the playoffs I, I don't know what to do or how to how to fix it but it's three extra months it, it just doesn't seem right after you play six straight months of, of hockey I, I completely agree with you you got to let it breathe and these guys year after year athletes are just getting bigger stronger faster and the injuries are piling up even more just because of that.
0: Right. Yeah. That's an excellent point. Uh, you, you uh, um, yeah, there's no downtime for these players the, to go and have the surgery and, and heal up from that and then get back to the rink in a, in a timely fashion. It feels like everything is so much more condensed. And um, I, I mean, the league, the league playoffs ended ECHL playoffs ended, I think, um, now everything to me is before Cancun and after Cancun, so it was about a week before I left, which was the 27th of June. So the ECHL playoffs ended somewhere around the 20th, and then they were still playing the Calder Cup playoffs, Calder Cup final, when I was on the beach in Mexico. So your entire, your, your playoffs are just entirely too long. It shouldn't take 10 weeks to play a playoff series to play playoffs. Shouldn't take, I mean, that's way too long. I, I, this is where I like the SPHL's 56 game schedule. I hate that their playoffs are three games. Each, each round is a best of three hate it, but you can, you can bring those rounds out to a best of five Shorten your first two rounds to a best of five, and then have best of sevens the rest of the way. I I see nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, I I I thought I was a, a hockey purist where I was like, oh, best of seven, best of seven, best of seven. But as somebody who is now, I, I think in, in some way, kind of burn out on it. You just gotta let. It was actually kind of, and getting back to the break that we had from the podcast over the summer. No, no offense, and I hope none's taken here, but I kind of enjoyed the break of not having a podcast and not having to prep for it and all and and all of that, and and getting a chance to just kind of come up for air and not be uh, absorbed in the news cycle all summer long, and um. Sounds kind of selfish to say, but I, uh, I, I bet if you, I bet if you asked a hundred players who come through this year, I bet that they would want it. I bet that they would tell you, I bet that you'd find 90 who would tell you the same thing. Like the season's entirely too long. We got to do something about it, but we're not I, going I to on I this don't
1: blame you whatsoever. Yeah. What were you about to finish? Saying? I was,
0: I was going to say, but we're not going to solve that world problem on this podcast.
1: No, not at all. Um, You know, I I don't think the ECHL would take away the amount of games and go down to what the CHL uh, model was, which was 66 and then 68 games. Right. But the one thing that that did do was allow for less weekday games, which is what a lot of these owners want. They don't want to play the midweek games or even Sunday games because of the attendance so right. sometimes they're trying to push it out as far as they can to get as many weekend dates as possible which i think for this year joel did a really good job of working with the league and, and trying to make sure we didn't have as many monday through thursday games this season so that's a benefit but yeah. getting back to your point yeah i i, <laughs> I i'm not thinking that yourself, which whatsoever you know i <laughs> i love doing this with you during the course of the season but you get to through that grind and you know the, the one thing that either one of us don't want to feel like we're burnt out sure. whatsoever i mean we go six seven straight days of covering ice hockey and then you know being able to have that break uh, hopefully you can remember that time when you went to the beach and when you got a pack so <laughs>
0: Well, well, I, I, um, it's there in pictures. I'll just say that. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: It's oh, there, I love following your Snapchat story. It, that was great. It's
0: there. Yes. It's there on Snapchat and it was there, uh, it's there in photos, but, uh, yes, it was, um, yeah, I it, it was a blast of a summer. Um, hope everybody had a good summer, that you, you got well-rested and uh, everything like that, and we're all good to go here as uh, camp is now open for the San Jose Sharks. They opened it on Thursday morning with um, uh, three group workouts and then a group scrimmage. Um, group A and Group B scrimmaged uh, this morning at the uh, AHL rink, Tech CU Arena, Uh, And uh, according to our friend Shing Ping, uh, who covers the San Jose Sharks religiously, faithfully, for SanJoseHockeyNow.com, we'll have to have Shing back on uh, at some point this year, there were uh, 63 players, 64 players, I beg your pardon, uh, in camp. 37 forwards, 20 defensemen, and 7 Goaltenders of note for Wichita Thunder fans: Ben Allison is a part of this camp. He is signed to a, a rookie tryout deal uh, with the Barracuda, I believe, and he's in uh, the big a the big NHL camp. And then I presume he'll probably be there uh, for uh, the um, for the AHL camp as well. Uh, and then there are a couple of other. Uh, forwards as well uh Felix Gagnon and Joseph Henneberry who are also a part of that group um, of rookies taking part in the uh training camp which is now underway for the San Jose Sharks
1: real quick before we move forward uh the one thing I didn't get a chance to mention yeah uh H- Hannah was a little disappointed we didn't ask her to join us on this podcast but oh
0: <laughs> well, we'll have um, to, we'll get that rectified at some point this year. It may, end, it, may end um, up, it may end up being that I have to come to your house and do it.
1: That's that, that would be perfectly fine. But I got a chance to spend a lot of time with her throughout the course of the summer. We yeah. went to a couple of Cubs games. So uh, that was great. Got to take her to Chicago, actually got my first ever and I'm from Chicago, right? Yeah. Never been to the bean before. So that was great. Got a chance to see that with her. Um, and yeah, Uh, getting back to what you were saying, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how San Jose's camp unfolds, because I think there's a couple of players that were in the American league last year that are hoping to make that opening day roster. And you and I had a, an opportunity. I had an opportunity to talk to uh, Nick Nolenberger about about that. Um, and, And he mentioned to me that potentially there could be some players fighting for spots, but you know, the Sharks want to do their best to leave them at the American League level and let them marinate, uh, and not rush them to the NHL. How have you been to,
0: how have you, are, are, how are you a lifelong Chicagoan and never been to the bean? I,
1: you know what? Um, I, I don't really have a great answer for that, to be honest <laughs> with you. We used to go downtown all the time and I didn't even really know the bean was that big of a deal. Like it was a big tourist attraction until probably 10 years ago when people started putting it on social media. So huh. it was never really something that we went and did, to be honest. I mean, it's down by Michigan Avenue and I'm not really a shopper, so I don't go that far into right. the city other yeah. than, you know, going to uh, certain places down, down there, or even over to Wrigley field.
0: How was your Wrigley field experience?
1: Well, the, the first night I took her, the the game was outstanding. It was a night game. We got really good seats for a good price, mm. which I was surprised. It was like $20 wow. um, off of StubHub, and her and I went down, just the two of us, and uh, it was a great evening. The second day we went was a day game, and other than a seven-inning stretch where the Braves just – destroyed the cubs uh it was a fun game and got a chance to hang out with a good friend of mine from high school
0: that's awesome glad you were able to do that uh hope the family as well uh and as as uh, that's always a big part of of the reason why you go home so i uh, hope the family is doing well
1: appreciate that and uh, as we record this podcast it's actually my dad's birthday today wow. on the 21st of September
0: is a happy birthday, father. Happy birthday, Daddy Malls or Papa Malls, I guess. We'll we'll call them Papa Malls because if you call them daddy malls, then it just sounds weird. So <laughs> uh, we'll call them Papa Malls. And uh, there you go. So happy birthday, Mr. I guess Mr. Mals. It's Males, not Malls. I you you have to hate that. Have I to have hate.
1: to hate it. Well, you have to hate I, I, how
0: they how people are like, hey, malsey, malsy, malsy, malsey. And and I've done that to you for the longest time, and you're one of my best friends. Like <laughs> I've butchered your name for years, and I feel like a complete horse's ass because of it. Well, you
1: can blame Joel T. Lamerno. It's his fault. <laughs> you I blame laugh, Joel for a lot, never... so I'll
0: put that on the list.
1: I will never forget walking into his base, but the first time I came to Wichita in 2004 and they didn't know how to pronounce my name. And the first thing that came out of his mouth was that, and then people always would call me that just because of him.
0: So <laughs> love you, Joel. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love you, big boy. There you go. So, uh, where do we start? We've we've talked about camp uh, opening up for for the sharks, and you mentioned that uh, Nick Nolenberger, uh kind of highlighted some American Hockey League players who may try to get up there with the big club. I, I think the the usual suspects are there. If you're if you're looking at uh, at this, uh, you're looking at somebody like a um, Thomas Bordalo, who had uh, had really good numbers on the Barracuda last year, 41 points in 65 games, but just two points in the NHL. And then, I mean, you have Anthony Duclair, who came over from Florida uh, after um, an okay season, uh, only played in 20 games after uh, leading the, or after, uh, well, I guess he he played in the cup final as well, uh, in the cup playoffs with uh, Florida. And then um, who are who would you know Quentin Musty who is a, a first round pick for for the for the Sharks as well so i mean a, a whole lot of of different players here um who could be looking at at spots up in the American Hockey League or even in the NHL uh coming up here in just a few weeks
1: the three guys that he mentioned when we talked to him and, and we'll have that interview here in a little bit but uh, you know William Eklund is, is a guy that they feel potentially could be on that opening day roster. Gushkin, Daniel okay. Gushkin was a guy that they were really impressed with at rookie camp. And you mentioned Thomas Bordalo. Those are the three I think that they're really high on, but um, there's a lot of question marks I think with San Jose. And we got a chance to talk with Nick also about the trade that was uh kind of holding things up throughout the course of the summer yeah right before the draft and then you go ahead and get rid of a, a face of the franchise and Eric Carlson. So um, you know they're moving in a completely different direction and there's some unknowns. They did get a couple of veterans back in that deal but you know for the long term anyways they're gonna need some of these younger players like a musty uh Bordolo to to really pan out and we'll have to wait and see kind of how that unfolds but you know, the I think for Thunder fans, anyways, the question always, Matt, when you get to this time of the season, and I've been, a, I've been asked this all summer long, and I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, you know, how many players are you going to get sent down from your affiliate? the The biggest question mark, I think, was coming into this off season, how many players were the Sharks going to carry on NHL and AHL deals, and were they going to help the Thunder out with some two ways? Um, you know, I I don't think right up, uh, up front were there any guys on the current roster like a, a Braden Watts or a Jay Dickman were offered uh, a two-way. However, you know, one thing that I've been told from Nick is that Mike Greer believes in the three-league uh, model and using his affiliate. So hopefully uh, we'll get a little bit more help down at this level than we did last year. You got to remember that, a, Greer came in late last year and B, the affiliation wasn't signed until late in the uh, off-season last year. So right. this is a full summer hopefully for them to figure it out and and Joel I think is confident that we're going to get some help, but who knows how many guys are going to be down from the Sharks or the Barracuda.
0: Well, and and another key point here is that, you know, the the Sharks did or the Barracuda did sign players uh in the off-season who are not on this training camp roster with the sharks. Uh, and it would stand to reason that, uh, some or all of that group could be here in Wichita, uh, this year. Uh, it may, it would make sense that, um, that some of those players would be here and, and I'm trying to find, uh, just exactly who they were, uh, so that I can tell you, um, but um, you know, I think I think, um, I think it, Anthony Vincent, Connor McKeckern, Roman Canal, Ethan Frisch uh, were some of those players who who were signed. Uh, and then they've signed other players like Beck Warm, who is on the training camp roster for the uh, for the um, for the Sharks. It. I mean, it makes sense that some or all of these players could be down here in Wichita at at some point this year. Maybe even as early as as the second week of camp.
1: That's that's something that I really enjoy seeing, and nothing against you know some of the players that are on this current roster. I think we'll get to that at some point. Yeah, um, you know how he's built the current roster, but it's always fun to see these guys try and figure out why they were scouted or signed to a deal with an American league team. And, you know, do they really have that potential of making it to the NHL? I think that's what the ECHL really brings to the table. And it's always exciting to see just a a guy, you know, like a Stuart Skinner, for instance, go through and make it all the way to the NHL. So, you know, I think Joel is very optimistic in that regard, potentially um, on the defensive side, which, you know we haven't had a ton of help since Vincent DeHartney was down here. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm very intrigued to see how that unfolds.
0: But even if you look and and we'll talk with Bruce Ramsey about this here in just a few minutes, even if you were to look at the Thunder roster as constructed right now with no help from from the affiliation, I I think you have a pretty solid. Roster here. Trevor Gorsuch is a is starting in net with with uh, Trevor Gorsich. You know what he brought to the table last year. He was a rock solid goaltender. He was the goaltender of the year in the in the SPHL. Comes up here and almost puts the Thunder on the play in the playoffs on his back, uh, which was an absolute stalwart effort. The defense is going to be remade a little bit. A lot of uh, a lot of rookies as constructed. Just two returning players on that defensive core from a year ago, Dominic Dockery and Xavier Pouliot. And then you bring back uh, quite a bit of your core forward group, including the toughness in Kelly Benton, Dylan Boucher. Plus you bring back a 40-point score in Peter Bates, Gavin Gould, who is coming off of a knee injury, um, not last year but the year before. He's getting his speed back, and you could see Gavin getting that speed back a little bit uh, as we went through last year. Plus, you have a uh, big Jay Dickman, who's good for 60 points, Braden Watts, and there's one more potentially big addition coming to the Thunder here in the coming days. So, I think if you're a Thunder fan and you look at this roster as constructed right now, this is a good roster. This is a really solid roster. Plus, you add what is going to come from San Jose. And... I think you have have the makings of a roster that could compete for a playoff spot. Are you going to put them in? Are you going to preordain them for a playoff spot? I think right now the answer is no, but uh, but give me a month and let's see where this team's at after the first month of the season with what they have.
1: For sure. you know. Again, like, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the guys that are currently on the roster. The one thing Joel has always said that you have to have – a strong affiliation and you have to have players that are on contracts sent down here to really give yourself a chance to win the cup look at the last two seasons where you had what this almost the same final four except for Idaho in there Mm -hmm. and all those teams for the most part I think except Idaho were loaded with contract players so yes hopefully that you know, it translates down to this level, but getting back to your point, yeah, I'm I'm very uh, intrigued by some of the forwards that have been brought in. Um, you know, the one thing that sticks out to me is some fast, smaller type players like you mentioned, Gavin Gould. Um, you've got Ryan Fittigan who's five eight, five nine. Um, Aaron Miller, I think is the one player that coach is really high on that yeah. he thinks could potentially put up a lot of points at this level so and then you got players back like you mentioned plus dickman and watts who um even though i always see this out on social media and it really irritates me well you didn't sign a veteran you didn't sign a veteran well what do you think Jay dickman and braden watts are they might not be officially considered vets, but they've been around this franchise long enough and been to the ACHL and at the pro level are they're, they're essentially veteran type players that have that leadership
0: capability. But th- And that's, and that's a perfect place to jump off on because, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I've kind of led that charge. Like um, where's the veteran, where's the veteran presence here. And, and so yes, Jay Dickman, Braden Watts, that's your leadership group, and then you you put players around them. Um, it would help to have a vet, but, um, and I, and I think how I I got to figure out how I want to word this, um. If you you want to make sure that the vet you bring in is the right vet uh, for your group. He's going to fit the the mold that you're wanting your team to be. Um, and there have been some vets who've come through here in the last few years who have not fit that mold. So um, I, I think Bruce Ramsey wants to be very careful about that. And it's more of, well, if... If the affiliation can help us sign those people, then that's great. But if not, then I've, I'm have i relying on the connections that I have and my players have to bring in the people who we think can get the job done, regardless of if they're a veteran, a tweener, or a rookie. And you're right. If you look at this roster right now, and you're looking at whether it's rookie or veterans on this roster as constructed right now, there are zero veterans for the Wichita Thunder, but there are a ton of rookies and you know, Aaron Miller is going to be a rookie this year, but he is only a rookie because he's not played enough games at, in what the ECHL considers pro hockey to be termed anything other than a rookie. He's played in 74 games overseas and had 72 points. pretty decent numbers for him. Uh, and uh, you know he, put, he piled up the points in, in college uh, in four years at Bemidji State. So I, th- I think you can you can go through this roster and be like, yeah, well, I'm not as jazzed about it because there's not a vet. And I probably would listen to that, especially on the back end because I feel like that's where you need the steady hand. But to to that point, I think it has to be the right person who is the image of your team start to stop. Nothing more, nothing less. He embodies the spirit of your team day in and day out. And that is tough to find in today's economy.
1: 100%. 100%, I agree with everything you just said. And the one thing... Um, as like you mentioned, as we got a chance to talk to Bruce, you know, you mentioned the amount of returning players from last year's team at the end of the season that he brought back. So there's a good gel of players that are used to each other. They've been around each other and have good, um, cohesion with everybody in the locker room. So I I think that is very important when you're not going to have a guy uh, coming in that, that you would quantify as, as a vet. Um, and to your point, you know, there have been some players that have been through here recently, and I don't want to sit here and name names, but oh. it just didn't work out. Yeah. You know, you, you brought him in. Unfortunately, he had to go, and sometimes that's considered a disruption to your team, you know, and you don't want that for a, a young team like you talked about. I mean, there's a lot of rookies on this team, uh, and that probably is the biggest concern like you talked about too is the back end. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how – jeremy Masella shirtle will play out and then uh, leighton moore is going to be a rookie but coaches really high
0: mm-hmm. on him
1: as well let's not yeah. forget matt the echl if you looked at every team last year there was only two teams in the league that carried three or more vets throughout the course of the season yeah one of those teams was in tulsa and unfortunately one of those vets had to you know, not make the opening day roster because of uh issues he had with his immigration. So this is not a league that has a lot of those older players, but I do get your point. You need that leadership in the locker room that can get you through the tough times.
0: Yeah. And, and look, um, and I, I, I think if you ask coach and I, and, and I, we really didn't, talk about this subject with coach in our conversation. but I bet if you got him down got him set down and you had a beer in front of him and you were talking about veteran players. I bet if you asked him, you know what do you consider a veteran player? he said and I would I would probably be inclined to tell you that um, they they may be rookies when they start the season, But at the end of the season, they're vets. Because you go through the ups and downs of a 72 game slog, six months, bus rides, practice, late nights, three and threes, four and fives, six and tens, all of that. You go through it together as a group, whether and and by the by the end of your first year, you are not a rookie anymore. Um And you learn from that, and you learn how to train your body. You learn how to do all of this stuff. Again, two solid leaders on that group when it comes to physical, when it comes to getting your body ready for the rigors of the ECHL, which it is tough in this league. No doubt about it. No two ways about it. It is a very tough league to play in, and it's a very tough league to win in. And Jay Dickman and Brayden Watts... Are those? Is that leadership group for Wichita right now? Remains to be seen if there'll be a third. uh, If there'll be a third uh, letter coming forthwith when we get the season going. But I mean, if you look at the announced rosters right now, and I'm I'm just kind of thumbing through here, based on what I what I've seen so far, um, there is not a lot of teams who have. Four veterans on their roster. The most I've seen so far is three. So the a, a, and I mean, you look at the Kelly Cup champion Florida Everblades from last year, and all of their um, unrestricted free agents are veterans. So what does that tell you about the Kelly Cup champions? You look at Fort <laughs> Wayne; most of their rosters rookies. I mean. Roster turnover and veterans being on this roster, hap- vet- roster turnover happens. It's the everything changes hockey league. But the ro- but I think the veteran, the veteran push to have four veterans on your roster every year, year in and year out, is a stigma left over from the Central Hockey League days that should have been gone really after year three. When everybody kind of understood that this was the way it was going to be going forward, the fact that it isn't—I don't know what we can do for you, Thunder fans—but like the <laughs> the stigma of well, you got to have a veteran on your roster. You got to have vets. You got to have vets. You got to have vets. Well, yeah, probably so. But you know what? You need contracted players as well. You need more contracted players than you need veteran players because the contracted players are better than the veteran players.
1: Yes, 100%. And the one thing coach has always told me, he would much rather bring in a hungry rookie fighting for a job than a guy that might just kind of go through the motions. He's at that point in his career that maybe he's collecting a paycheck and he's really not invested. So that's, I think, more or less the strategy that he's had since coming here. And let's not forget, and, and I'm not trying to throw this city under the bus, but um, and I'm trying to choose my words as best I can. Here, you know, here, Wichita, I'll, Kansas. I'll is
0: choose not, I'll choose them for you. Wichita, Kansas is in the middle of nowhere. It's not it, on. It's
1: a, not Savannah. It's not South Carolina. It's not Florida. I mean, we're not near an ocean or uh, that. It's it's not easy to get guys to come to Wichita. I mean, no. I mean, let's just face it. Um, you know, I, I'm really happy that we have a team here. For crying out loud, Wichita has been around for so long and you and I are so invested in trying to make sure that this organization is uh, as best it, it, it can be. And it's one of the oldest franchises around, but um, I'm not blind to understand that this is not an easy place to recruit to.
0: Right. Right. It's I mean, it it's not Kansas City. It's not the Dallas Metroplex the the reason why you play in Idaho is because you can go upstairs literally from the rink and go home and and oh well, plus that's a
1: beautiful city but it's a, yeah i get your point
0: it's a beautiful city and the fact that they have eyes from the Dallas stars there literally every home game sure you're you're playing in front of an audience that can move you up every single night it, and it, it's just you know Wichita has made great strides in the last five to ten years of becoming a much more impactful city and it just not being flyover country, as Jason Aldean sang. It's, it, it, but it won't ever be Oklahoma City. It won't ever be Tulsa. It won't ever be Kansas City. It won't ever be Dallas. It's going to be tough to get people to come here in the middle of nowhere where you are three hours from everything. That's the fact. Yeah. So
1: I, I understand where you're coming from. And it, um, You know, you talk to coach. Yeah. And I don't mean to cut you off there, no, but good. a lot of these players during the off season, every team in the league is trying to get these guys. It's not just you're seeing a guy like Ryan Finnegan and, he was only offered a contract by Wichita coach told me there was a couple of teams trying to lure him to their franchise. So, um, you know, this, this is a a tough place to recruit to. And, you know, the best thing that we can expect from coach is he's going to work with these guys, improve their game. It's been proven time and time again, that the players love playing for him and that's why he got a contract extension. So yeah. hopefully we can see them come together and gel quicker than maybe last season. And, uh, hopefully, you know, we get off to a good start and it's not going to be an easy start to the season because you got that first road trip where you go up to Idaho and then straight down to Utah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, to your point about these players wanting to play for Bruce Ramsey, they don't form a line outside of the general manager's office for, for for rips and giggles like these guys went to the general manager and said hey look if if rammer's not back we're gone and there was honestly if we're if we're you know and i think we've talked about this at a podcast when we did it probably in in early may of of this year but you know if we if we're looking at everything here Bruce Ramsey secured the affiliation with 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 uh, San Jose. Bruce Ramsey has these relationships with Jay Dickman and Brayden Watts and Mikhail Stenell and all of these other players who've played for him, and they all love playing for him. And they may not have come back for any other reason other than the fact that they got a better offer over in Europe. Um, You know, you look at at an assistant coach who's been faithful to him at every step of the road in John Gerskis. There are people who love Bruce Ramsey in this organization inside and out. And for an organization to secure a Class A guy like him, it says a lot. And there is going to be a lot of pressure on Rammer and Coach Gerskis this year to get this team back into the playoffs. It's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. But... I mean, we've talked about how hard it is to recruit here. If you don't have a coach, a large part of the reason why players come here is because they want to play for him. They The word on the street is that he's a hell of a guy to play for. That to me is a bigger selling point than how much cheese can you put in my pocket? Just speaking for one guy, but um, I mean, that says a lot about about where the Thunder franchise is through four years of Bruce Ramsey's regime compared to where it was when he walked in the door. And he's done a hell of a a, job.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, when he came in, and I understand that this is a level that you're pretty much building your own roster to begin with, but he didn't have a ton to work with and didn't have any players that were around. The cupboard was bare, as he says. He had one
0: contract in the drawer.
1: Now he brings almost what I think you mentioned it on in the interview what ten or twelve guys back from last year's team was it Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm excited. Um, yep. I'm stressed. <laughs> it, it's that time of the of the summer where you're trying to get uh, partnerships locked in so you can focus on everything else and. I, I, I don't know exactly how I'm going to make it through the next couple of weeks, Matt, but you're going to keep <laughs> me sane, I hope.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. So uh, why don't we go ahead here, and uh, we will take uh, a bit of a time out here on the podcast. And uh, when we come back from our break, you will hear Malzi's conversation with the voice of the San Jose Barracuda, Nick Nolenberger, when the Rolling Thunder podcast continues in just Hey Thunder fans, we're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner and DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September football's more fun when you're in on the action so download the app now and sign up with the code thpn new customers can bet just five dollars to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl with the code thpn the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800 gambler or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York, call 8778 8 hope ny or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply now back to the show
1: Welcome back here to the Rolling Thunder podcast. Jason Miles, uh, Matt Harding, joining you as we get ready for the start of the 23-24 season and joining us from the San Jose Barracuda, the voice of the Barracuda, Nick Nolenberger. Nick, how's everything going out there?
2: Everything is great, Jason. It's great to hear your voice, great to catch up. But uh, yeah, we're just talking about a little bit off air. So that point of the year, your kind of internal clocks. Uh, starts taking on you a little bit you know hockey season's right on the cusp and uh yeah just mentally preparing for uh, for another long season excited about what's to come excited about the prospects and and what could be for the for the barracuda for one this year and then maybe some of the guys that you guys will see this year as well i think there's a good crop and a good mix of of young players with some experience and guys who have played a little bit at the pro level and and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Obviously injuries and performance and things like that are going to impact all the way from the top of the Sharks, and that trickles down to us with the Barracuda, and then of course with the Thunder. But uh, yeah, doing great, excited obviously for another year right on the cusp.
1: Nick, uh, why don't we start out with how the summer's gone? I know that San Jose's had all kinds of changes. It started a year ago with a new GM, and and now you guys uh, get rid of uh, a face of the franchise. What, what's going on with the Sharks and how that trickles down to the Barracuda? Yeah,
2: certainly. I think the Eric Carlson stuff was a little bit inevitable. Uh, it, it doesn't, I guess, lessen the blow when you've got to trade a reigning Norris trophy winner who's coming off arguably a top five season offensively for a defenseman in the history of the league. Over 100 points hadn't happened in in a couple of decades Um, Just an incredible individual year. But with his salary and and what the the Sharks uh, had to pay him over the next handful of years, where they are at as an organization, new GM, as you mentioned last year, Mike Greer, he's totally overhauled the prospect pool. He's overhauled the NHL roster. He's overhauled, frankly, his coworkers in terms of the front office. And there's been a lot of change. That's an understatement with the Sharks as a whole over the last calendar year. It was inevitable that we have legends like a Joe Thornton and a Patrick Marlowe retire. You have players leave like a Joe Pavelski and a transitional period for for an organization and a franchise in the Sharks that have had so much success. It's been a couple of years now in which they've made the playoffs. And to see a guy like Eric Carlson go, obviously, is tough, uh, but the writing was on the wall. Eric wanted to go to a, an environment where he had a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And for the Sharks, they're just not at the point in their franchise where. It makes sense to pay a defenseman that much money. And frankly, the way it had gone for him the first handful of years under contract with the Sharks, he had dealt with a lot of injuries. So they probably got the best deal they were going to get. It worked out perfectly that he basically was coming off one of the best seasons of his career. I don't know if many could have predicted that the way he had played prior to that point, given the fact that he had suffered from multiple injuries um, and the team was struggling. But certainly, I think they got a bang for their buck uh, because of the year that he was coming off of. What you do in terms of in terms of getting making that trade rather is you get some draft capital. Capital. You also bring in some players uh, in the deal that are established NHLers. We'll see what happens around the trade deadline. I think many have talked about Mike Hoffman as maybe being a guy that they end up selling at the deadline because he's on a one-year deal. We'll see. Maybe he plays great and you, and you think of him as a as a piece for maybe the next couple of years. Um, But there's been a lot of change. There's been uh, a lot of acquisitions. There was a big draft class for the Sharks. They had a couple of first-rounders. So long answer uh, is that a lot has changed, and this is going to be a completely different-looking NHL team. It'll be a different-looking AHL club. And in turn, there will be a lot of different-looking players uh, coming down to the ECHL as
1: well. Nick Nolenberger joining us. How do you think they fared in that trade? If you had to give it a grade, where, where do you think you stand on it? Look,
2: with a defenseman that's in his now, I think he's 32, 33 years old. He's got still four or five years left on a contract that pays him around, I think, $11.5 million. Mike Brewer was a little bit hamstrung in terms of what he could do. Now, he waited it out. He was, he was very patient to give him full credit for that. He wanted to make sure that the deal was the right deal for the organization moving forward. I think some folks maybe thought they should have reeled back some more draft picks. They got a first-rounder. I think that was a home run in itself. You got some NHL-quality players in return, and and hopefully that provides depth for your NHL team and you become a more competitive product on a night-in and night-out basis. Um, And then you get essentially, now you took some contracts on. They don't have the term that the Carlson deal had, So it's not quite as maybe clear with with the the financials as you traded away a player at at 11.5. But I think they've got to pay, they maybe retained uh, around a million and a half, something like that. So uh, in my mind, especially the way things had gone over the last couple of years with Eric Gilling with some injuries and the team not necessarily having success from a win-loss standpoint, I thought it was a home run to get that deal off the books. To have some cap flexibility in the next couple of years, hopefully it lines up perfectly when some of these prospects are ready ready to really step into the lineup and, and contribute on a regular basis. Hopefully then you can go out and you can start shopping to, to fill some holes from a free agent standpoint. So in my mind, I thought it was a great trade. I thought it was really impressive how Mike just kind of grinded it out, waited it out until he got a deal that he thought was fair. And again, it's hard to trade a player of of Carlson's caliber, but the Sharks just really aren't in a position at this point to pay a guy that much money when you uh, are really that far outside of the playoff picture. Of course, they were a lottery team this past year.
3: Nick
1: Nolenberger joining us. Nick, you were just at the Rookie Showcase. I know it's probably hard to kind of get a gauge on how these guys are going to perform as we get ready for the start of the season. But what were your thoughts as you got got an opportunity to watch those games?
2: Well, for one, uh, it, it has become really an unofficial start to a new hockey season. So you get the rookies in a handful of days before the tournament starts. You do see some NHL guys skating, obviously, in the area as well. But the rookies start their camp, and then it leads into this rookie showcase that has become a, a regular annual event right before training camp begins i think they've been doing it now for for six or so years vegas joined once they joined the nhl um i think it'll only expand i know there's been some rumors that seattle wants to be involved potentially uh, in the grouping but again it's a little hard to judge because you've got players playing as Against their peers. Some of the guys will go back to junior, and some will end up landing in the ECHL. Some will be in the NHL. Some have played in the NHL. Some have played a little bit in the AHL. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, it, it's a good opportunity for guys to make an impression, I think, to, to get off on the right foot going into training camp, get some games under their belt. For the draft class, for the 23 draft class, it's the first time they get to pull a shark sweater over their shoulder pad. So that's quite the thrill for them as well. So it, it turns out to be just a really fun event. You get all the brass in town as well. So you see some scouts that you wouldn't see during the regular season that live in various parts of the world. Uh, you see the front office. You, you walk around a practice rink and you can see uh, kind of the who's who of multiple NHL organizations. You'll see NHL GMs and, and scouts and, and upper management just kind of mosing around. Uh, these practice rinks you'll see nhl legends uh, who have joined these front offices so it it turns into what's a pretty fun kind of hockey festival of sorts um and it's a good precursor into training camp and maybe a little bit of an insight on some of your your draft classes from the current year and maybe a year or two prior so overall i thought the sharks played quite well the first game uh they really dominated they end up winning four three in a shootout against la and and they for a majority of the game, they, they just dictated the pace of play. Um, L.A. had some pretty good goaltending in the game. That kind of kept them in the game. Uh, and then the Sharks found a way to win it in a shootout. In game number two, uh, it was a completely different looking roster. The Sharks kind of went with their 1A group, I thought, in game number one. They had their top pick from uh, a couple of years ago, William Eklund, Thomas Borlo, is a high prospect. Tristan Robbins. Daniel Neil Gustin. Uh, you go down the list: Shakir Mukhamadulin, a former first-round draft pick who was acquired in the Timo Meyer trade. All those guys played in the first game, and I thought they were they were really outstanding. In game number two, they changed up the lineup quite a bit. They wanted to make sure everybody on the rookie camp roster got into at least one game, and uh, they dominated Vegas. They won the game five to one. They were up five to nothing at one point. It was uh, never really uh, in question uh, throughout the the entirety of the game. The team had a day off on Sunday, and then they were back on the ice early bright and early on uh, Monday morning against Arizona. Arizona had a couple a couple of its top uh, prospects in the lineup. The Sharks, I think, uh, had a, a couple guys return back into the lineup from game number one. But for the most part, it was uh, similar to what we saw in game two. And uh, Arizona was kind of all over them early. They got out to a, to, to a lead. Sharks found a ways to kind of chip into the lead. I think they tied it a couple of times. But Arizona responded uh, quickly uh, with goals and went on to win. I think the final score was five to three. So. Overall, I thought it was a great weekend. It, it's not about wins or losses, really. It's about getting guys back into game shape and and allowing them to to feel what it's like to be a shark and, and just get ready for training camp. So overall, I think it was a total success. Good to get everybody in the building, and it, it again kind of sets the tone and sets the stage for the tra- for training camp uh, that's going to start this week.
1: Couple of names for Thunder fans that were. Uh, available for that mitch russell and ben allison did you get a chance to see how they performed
2: yeah i think if if i'm not mistaken i think ben allison ended up dropping the gloves late in uh, game number three there was a couple of fights late um, starting with Mitch Russell, obviously last year was a disappointing year for himself personally played, I think two games with you guys and then could not get back into the lineup. He was dealing with what he admitted as some head and neck issues, um, ended up going back home to Ontario in January, just to kind of reset his, his mental stability as well. As you can imagine coming back from any injury or trying to get back on it, the ice can be a, be a mental grind and just getting to go home and refresh and restart, I think was really valuable for him. Um, In the action that we saw him, I thought he played pretty well. He's excited about the year, excited about really beginning his professional career uh, that never really got off the ground last year. Um, It's going to be a big training camp. I think he has aspirations to make the Barracuda. That's what he told the media. Uh, It's going to be a good competition this year. There's not as many forwards that have come in, I would say, into the mix this year with the Barracuda as we saw last year from a prospect standpoint. There's more defense coming into, into the conversation this year. Um, so so Mitch Russell plays well. I think he's got a chance to make the Barracuda, but he's got to he's got to get off uh, on the right foot. He's got to impress in training camp with the Sharks. He's got to impress in Barracuda camp. Just because he missed last year, I think you know he's behind the eight ball a little bit. He's got to prove that he's part of the solution and part of the future. I believe he's got one year left on his entry level deal. So this is a big deal, for, big year, and a big deal for him going into this training camp. Uh, we'll see if uh, he can stay healthy and, and put his best foot forward. I know there was a lot of excitement about him last year. He was coming off a great year in, in junior in the OHL, and unfortunately it just never transpired for him with the injury.
1: Nick Nolenberger joining us. Nick, uh, Matt Harding, who, like I mentioned, could not be on this call with us, had a, a question he wanted to ask. Uh, and his question was, has your predictions for the opening night roster changed at all over the last couple of weeks?
2: Uh, that's a good question. I think I'm within the ballpark. I think I'm within the neighborhood. It's just, it's almost impossible to predict. I like to predict a little bit of what's going to go on throughout the Pacific Division because we play so many of the teams in the Pacific, we don't know much. Uh, but it's even hard to do that with any team because you just never know who's going to come into training camp and really make a big stride in their game. You see it all the time where guys maybe from year one to two come in and they're bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, Just from a mental standpoint, they're so much farther advanced than maybe they were a year before. So you just never know. There's always a player or two really surprises, and it's kind of a surprise on the Sharks opening night roster. We'll see who that is this year. I would be shocked if there wasn't at least one. William Eklund is kind of the guy everybody's talked about as being a player that should make the Sharks. Certainly they hope he does because that means he's farther along in his career and ready to make an impact, a former top-ten pick by San Jose a couple of years ago. We'll see, though, how things shake out. I think I had Eklund starting with the Sharks, and I only did that because of how much offensive depth there is now, just from a veteran standpoint with the trade – of uh, eric carlson and the acquisition of a couple of different guys in granlin and in hoffman as part of a three-team trade with pittsburgh and montreal and additions at free agency they brought in quite a few guys this off season it's just going to be tough for some of these young guys to crack the nhl lineup now mike greer said he's going to allow for an open competition and, and if a young player earns a job they're going to get that job but the key word to it is they've got to earn it nothing is going to be handed uh, to these young players, they've really got to go out there and steal a job. So predictions are, are only that, right? Uh, it was a, it was an educated guess, I guess, if you will. Uh, we'll see if uh, it, it turns out to be true. From my perspective, I hope a lot of these young guys make it because that means they're farther along than they were last year, and the Sharks, from just a, a youth standpoint and a depth standpoint, are in a lot better position than they were last year. Mike, we really made uh, a concerted effort to – allow these young guys to marinate in the AHL. He didn't give anybody games really until the end of the year, aside from Nick Chechek, a defenseman. And that was more out of necessity uh, than anything. So we'll see how things shake out. I, I think I'm pretty close. I just don't know if it'll be right on right on the, the nail, if you will.
1: I guess another question um, that he was wanting me to ask was your thoughts on goaltending in the system and how that might trickle down, where do you see that being? And is it a big question mark?
2: It's, it's going to be interesting. I think the NHL solidified uh, with Mackenzie Blackwood getting acquired from New Jersey. So Capo Kakanen and Blackwood will be your one and two in the NHL Ed two Mackinney Emmy. Who's a big prospect has dealt with some injuries last year. He had to have surgery in the spring and that basically expired the remainder of his year he dealt an injury the year before as well. They're really excited about his potential. The question is, can he stay healthy? They want him to put a full season together, hopefully at the AHL level. And then you look at the guys who have come in. Magnus Crona is a goaltender that was drafted by Tampa Bay, acquired by the Sharks a couple of years ago. He was a sixth rounder. He's big, he's around six foot five. He had a great career at Denver. He played four years with the Pioneers, was a national champion a couple of years ago. So he comes, and I think he's going to be in the American Hockey League if I had to guess. Romanov is the other guy. He's another real big goaltender signed from Russia that doesn't have a ton of professional experience. I believe he played the BHL last year, which is just below the KHL. So this is his first real taste in North America. I think he's going to be the guy who ends up being that uh, six or fifth goaltender excuse me who finds his way to the ECHL and I think that'll be really good for him he'll get used to the to the North American game uh, he'll face a lot of a lot of rubber night in and, and night out Jason as you know um, the ECHL can be a, a bit scrambly the AHL is the same but it's it just a, it's a different league in that way where goalies from the ones I've spoken to they, they get a lot of work in the ECHL um, they'll come to the American Hockey League and sometimes it's it's almost easier because there's a, there's a little bit more defense in front of him. So I think for Romanoff it'll be good if he ends up starting the ECHL. I think if he's in the American League, it'll be based more off a injury situation, unless the team plans on keeping three goaltenders, at least at the start. Um, so that's, that's going to be good. He, he came into development camp, Romanov, and I thought he was, he was a little bit uh, unsure of himself in, in terms of taking the coaching, in terms of the smaller ice sheet, And just getting used to the language barrier and what goes into moving uh, around the globe and and getting comfortable in your new surroundings. We saw him at the prospect showcase. He played the first game, and I thought he was outstanding. He looked much much more comfortable. Uh, His movement for his size looks really good. So I think the Sharks, their thought behind it was he's going to be a, a prospect they can develop over a handful of years, but he's got something you can't teach in that size and athletic ability. So if he ends up landing in the ECHL, I think he'll be he'll be a solid goaltending option for, for the Thunder. Um, but, again, uh, we'll just have to wait and see uh, how everything shakes out with training camp here in the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, because you guys had also signed Beck Warm, uh, who was with the Cincinnati Cyclones, and the Thunder played them once last year, so we have a little bit of a taste of what he brings to the table. Of course, Wichita did sign a veteran goaltender in Trevor Gorsuch, and that goaltending was an issue for us last season, so I guess we'll have to wait and see how that'll shake out and who the Thunder might get from either the, the Barracuda or the Sharks, but it should be interesting as we get closer. Yeah,
2: absolutely, and and to mention, to just – Piggyback on on Beck Warm a little bit. Uh, first of all, I had a chance to to talk to him for for a podcast that I do for the team. He just seems like a a wonderful young man. He, he's very uh, very mature. Obviously, has been around the professional level for a handful of years and coming off of just an outstanding year last year in Cincinnati with a very good Cyclones team. Has some AHL experience. He began his career in Chicago with the Wolves, signed an NHL deal that was actually during the COVID season. And his head coach was Ryan Worsofsky, who is now an assistant with the Sharks. So there's a little bit of a connection there. And I think there's another goaltender. The reason why maybe Beck Warm isn't in the conversation, at least right off the bat, for the American Hockey League, is because you have so many guys on NHL contracts. So you usually defer to guys on NHL deals first, but things can change. We saw it last year, as you alluded to. You guys were ravished by either trades, recalls, or injuries at the goalie position so to get an extra guy signed, I don't think that's a bad thing. But uh, we'll see how things shake out. But from a, from a Wichita perspective, to have a guy like Beck Warm as maybe your, your 1A, 1B goaltender with Romanov coming into the mix, I think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's quite the, I guess, benefit for a team to have that, that type of depth. Now, the goalie position is fickle. We'll see if that lasts. But on paper to start the year, I think there's more depth than maybe we saw a year ago.
1: Last question for you Nick, what does the next couple of weeks look like not only for the sharks but for the barracuda and how does that affect you for you know what you have to do on your side?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, we just had media day today. We're talking on Wednesday. We had media day today, so you've got the local uh, television station, and then all of our uh, production team and creative team, and that's for uh, in arena video and and all that and headshots. You know, you know the deal. Uh, tomorrow officially Thursday, training camp will open. So training camp is often broken up into three separate groups: A, B, and C. Often C is You know, the younger guys, guys who are most likely going back to junior or who are going to be in uh, in the American Hockey League, B and C are kind of a a blend of, of established NHLers and then maybe some younger guys. So practice will start tomorrow. I believe the Sharks first preseason game is September 24th against Vegas at the SAP Center. So we're off and running. The Sharks actually go out to Salt Lake City for for a preseason game as well, right at the end against Los Angeles. For the Barracuda, we've got just two preseason games. That'll be the 6th and 7th of October. Team opens up the year on October 13th. Training camp opens up for the Barracuda on October 3rd. So it's a quick training camp. Guys go into the NHL training camp and then jump right into the AHL training camp. It's a few days. I think we're going to have a handful of guys from Wichita uh, who are there on tryouts, just to provide some extra bodies, provide some internal competition, and you, you just never know. It's also an opportunity to to showcase some of their abilities in front of a, a- AHL uh, coaching staff. So um, it, it's going to get busy quick for, for me personally. You know, we don't we don't call games in, until preseason place, so not until October. Um, so for me, it's just you know generating content, assisting our content team, providing um you know written articles and whatnot on our website just trying to try to set the stage for for the upcoming season and and just get as ready as possible so that's kind of how it looks for the next three or so weeks but we are certainly off and running once uh rookie camp happens there's uh, no stopping until april or may so uh, as you know our schedule now that now all of a sudden goes from pretty flexible to uh to not much wiggle room if you will
1: of course not i can't even believe that we're at september 20th (laughs) almost ready for october it's just mind-boggling how fast the summer goes
2: every single time every time it, it jumps up on you and um it's always fun though you know how it goes it's it's there's some trepidation with the season uh because it is so demanding. It's like a seven month sprint. You you get maybe a day off and and the travel and everything that goes in the year. That being said, you won't find us complaining because we're doing what we love and we get to watch sports for a living, but it is a a seven month, grind essentially where you, you just go uh, from, from start to stop. There's just no break. So there's always a little bit of trepidation, but then there's excitement. You start seeing people, you go into the rink and you start seeing some familiar faces. Training camp is exciting because, Everybody in the NHL and it trickles down to the HL and down to the ECHL, there's optimism, right? You just don't know what you're gonna get. Every year has that renewed sense of, hey, we can compete for a championship, we can have a great season. Things shake out once the year begins, obviously, but this is the time of year where everybody's excited. Uh David Quinn addressed the media, I thought it was pretty funny, and he was asked the simple question of how you feeling going into the year and he's like, uh, I love seeing everybody this time of year. So uh, n- nobody's frustrated. Uh, everybody's excited about the upcoming year. And, and that's how, of course, us broadcasters feel too. There's always a little bit of that nervous energy going into a year, but obviously you're excited about what's to come and uh, we'll see how the, the drama plays itself out.
1: Hey, thanks so much for your time. I know you got to get going. We'll talk to you again soon and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, both, all three franchises, in fact, have a good start to the season. Nick, always a pleasure. Thank you, Jason.
2: Appreciate it. Great to hear your voice. And uh, obviously, we'll be in contact throughout the year. But uh, best of luck as we uh, we embark, all of us, all three levels embark on another year.
1: Sounds good. That's Nick Nolenberger, voice of the San Jose Barracuda. We'll take a quick time out back after this on the Rolling Thunder podcast right here on Field Pass Hockey.
0: Back into the podcast, our thanks to Nick Nolenberger, the voice of the San Jose Barracuda, for talking with Malzi. Unfortunately, I was able to not be uh, on that interview, but uh, what are some of the things that stood out to you from the interview with Nick?
1: Uh, The number one thing was how the Eric Carlson trade impacted the team moving forward, the trickle down. You know, uh, uh, he felt like it was a really good deal for both parties and that Mike Greer really waited that out as long as he could to try and get the best offer that would help the franchise long term and and try and get that contract off the books as quick as possible and then they still got some NHL caliber players like Mike Hoffman back in return that can you know lead that younger squad as they move forward to try and rebuild that franchise Uh, and then the other thing that stood out to me Matt was the goaltending situation, you know, he's not a hundred percent sure what's going to happen uh, at the American league level because Mack has been dealing with injuries. They feel Magnus Corona could really be an impact type goaltender after his time at the university of Denver. And then they've got a couple of wild cards and Romanoff and Beck warm. I know Beck warm is coming off a, a pretty solid season with the Cincinnati Cyclones, but you know, he played in the Western Hockey League out in Tri-City, so they know him very well out there. And I know he's not on an NHL deal, but he's going to do his best to try and earn that potentially throughout the course of this year. But uh, Romanoff could be a player that either goes back and forth between the Thunder and the Barracuda. I think it's going to all, all sit on uh, you know the hip of a2 Mac because he had surgery at the end of the last season. And they're not hundred percent sure where he's at with his recovery, but the goaltending situation to me is probably the most intriguing just because, you know, San Jose has not found that guy that can lead them to the postseason. And I know that they've gone through a couple of different type of goaltenders, like Aiden Hill didn't last very long. And then they had James Reimer, who was a stopgap, but he's gone. Um, Kapanen is going to have to carry the load, but they ended up getting Mackenzie Blackwood in a trade, and they feel like he can bring that veteran presence uh, on the back end. But you know they don't have that number one, which I know that position has changed so much over the course of the last twenty years. But uh, they're still looking for somebody to kind of grab a hold of the number one goaltender position at the nhl level so we'll have to wait and see how that trickles down to the nhl level but or to the uh, echl level rather and and i know that we've talked a little bit about the importance of having a trevor gorsuch on this roster i I guess the question that is going to be posed to both me you and coach throughout the course of the season is there a possibility of both romanoff and warm being down here do you hold on to Trevor Gorsuch just in case you don't have a situation like you had last year.
0: Well, yeah. And there's a lot to chew on there. I'll start with the Carlson part of that, uh, of that uh, interview. And I, I, you know, you and I had talked over the summer and it's like, well, why is, why is the flurry of of signings from San Jose and, and really not much else. And then it became very obvious after the draft that there would be a blockade on everything until they were able to move the Carlson contract. And you're right, they did get a pretty good haul uh, for Eric Carlson. And um, and it'll be interesting to see what fruit that trade brings, the Sharks, coming up uh, as we move through the next few years, because they do have some draft picks involved. To the goaltending aspect, I think that is one of the most intriguing areas of this organization as they begin camp. Uh, you have Mason Bow Pitt there, who did uh, by reading um, Xing Ping's work at San Jose Hockey. Now uh, didn't really stand out at all. Looked uh, very average, if you will, uh, in the rookie tournament. Uh, all of the other goaltenders, it, it looked like, uh, with the exception of of Kackinen and Mackenzie Blackwood, played, and I thought, and it looked like they played pretty well. Uh, I think your opening night duo, if you were to put two up in the NHL right now, I think your your opening pair is going to be Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Cagnon, and then you see Magnus Krona and a combination of Beck Warm or Georgie Romanoff in the American Hockey League. Again, depending on what happens with Mac and Yemi, if he's ready and good to go, then your AHL... Uh, is set there with uh, Krona and Mcemi and we potentially see Romanoff and Warm here in Wichita. And if and for everybody who was like, hey, Beck, who the hell is Beck warm and why are we why are we going get him? here's his, his stat line from last year. in 43 games he won 28 of them. And if you take those 28 wins, he becomes the single season winningest thunder goaltender ever in the ECHL era with those 28 wins. with a shutout, uh, 301 goals against average, and 2,500 minutes played. He didn't really fare that well in Rochester, uh, had two overtime losses, and allowed five goals in 85 minutes for 352 goals against average. So uh, I, I think we'll see both Warm and Romanoff here at times during the season, and it may be one where you bring down one, send one back, bring one down, send one back, which makes having a goaltender like Trevor Gorsuch who understands what's going on here uh, and seems to be okay with it, vital to your hockey club. Even if you have three goaltenders, it is worth having Trevor Gorsuch in net given what has happened to your hockey club for the last two years with Evan Beitenheis playing hide-and-go-seek.
1: Yes, 100%. I mean, that's one thing Coach was really adamant about with me and you, even Mm -hmm. off the air throughout the course of the summer, is he wanted to make sure he had that position solidified and we didn't have to have a revolving door like we had. And, and, you know, Coach will mention it during the interview that we had that that really cost – uh us the the postseason if you Mm -hmm. have a goalie who can stop the puck down the stretch this team made the playoffs last year so right um you know and getting back to your point about mason bopit i think the expectation is him for for him to go back to junior because i if i'm not mistaken he has one more year of eligibility uh i I think it was with the sarnia sting if i'm not mistaken i have to double check that just to be safe but uh, that that certainly is going to be an interesting position to be in. I mean, last year, you know, you had uh, the situation with uh, our goaltending that uh, um, the, the I'm having a brain fart, Matt. The goaltender who was with us from the Sharks, um, Strasman. That okay, duh, <laughs> Strasman. <laughs> Last year, you had a situation with, you know, with Strauss Mann, who that, that in, a, in and of itself was a, a crazy situation because he was never in one place for more than a couple of weeks. It was back and forth and he spent more time on an airplane. Yeah, um, I don't think you're going to see that much of it happening, but who knows? I mean, it all gonna, it's all going to it's all going to depend on McIntyre and, and how healthy he is. Yeah. in terms of who the thunder will see down here. And I would venture to say that Beck warm will spend a majority of the season with the thunder.
0: Yes. And, and to the point that we had in the last segment before the interview, you know, even though they didn't sign two-way deals, Beck warm is just as good of a, as just as good of a player, regardless of what, what contract he signs. Um, and this is a, a a signal of the affiliation helping out the Thunder. So, um, yeah, I I would agree with you that we will probably see warm for a majority of the season, um, but it depends on Romanov as well. I mean, if you look at his his stat line from uh, last year, thirty one games in the VHL in Russia, an eight thirteen and five mark with a two eighty one goals against average. Does that translate over to North America? Granted, he's going to be working with Yevgeny Nabokov, who's uh, Russian as well. Maybe they can figure out some way to work. Maybe they can work together and find their own uh, way of working together. I don't know. But if I were just spitballing here, if I were San Jose, I would like to see what Romanov can do at a lower league before I move him up more. Uh, But again, the whole... Linchpin to this is what happens with MacInnemee's hip, and if he's ready to go for opening night in the AHL or NHL.
1: Big question mark, I think, for for me and for Shang. When I was reading his article, you know, the change in culture and being able to speak the language, yeah, uh, is going to be a huge uh, hurdle for him to jump th- uh, through. You know, being able to communicate with his teammates. I I don't know how much English he speaks, but we'll get a good example of that as we get closer. So, yeah. you know, that people will say, well, you know, you had Mikel Stinell here last year. Well, Mikel has played in North America and speaks really good English.
0: And he um, taught himself.
1: He self-taught. Sure. And then let's not forget, and I don't know where, Mark Zukov will stand on, on this roster and he's a, a kid who played in Russia. So maybe yeah. he can help Romanov translate to the American game and, and help him kind of fit in a little bit more, but yeah. you never know what's going to happen as the roster takes shape.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So um, anything else stand out to you there about uh, our conversation with Nick?
1: You know, I he just mentioned to me that, He's really intrigued by the forward group that the uh, Sharks have. They have mm-hmm. a bunch of depth that they got, not only from that trade with Eric Carlson, but you know the trade that they made at the trade deadline, and they got a bunch of players. I can't, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that defenseman's name.
0: Okay, uh, here we go. I'm going to try it.
1: I'm you try can it. do it. I can't. And maybe I need to learn. But I'm telling you that name <laughs> I, is going to – Give me I, fits. I
0: don't think you're going to need him. I don't think you're going to ever have to call his name down here, but his name is Sha- Shakir Mukahemadalene.
1: Mukahemadalene, okay. You, you, you're a braver man than I. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, they, they got a ton of pieces back. Um, you know, the one thing I think we forgot to mention is you had uh, – Ham- Dylan Hamelik was a part of that. Eric Carlson trade, and there was potential for him to be down here again, which Mm. I don't know how he would have been affected by being in the ECHL again, but, you know, good luck to Dylan as he is now in a different organization. Um, You know, we also talked about, you mentioned Ben Allison, but also Mitch Russell um, is a very intriguing player for the Barracuda because he's got a a lot of legwork to make up after the uh, injury-shortened season from last year you know, it, and he feels like he's in a better place. He'll have to have a good training camp, both at the NHL and the AHL level. And he's at the second year of his three-year deal. So he's really got to impress the sharp brass if he wants to make a, an impression and, and get up to the NHL sometime at some time. So I, I don't know where he fits into that, but, um, you know, I think Mitch, if he's down here, he, he in the short time that we saw him, I felt like he was a dynamic player and he really could have been uh, one of the top 10 scorers in this league.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I felt like him and Dan and Dylan Hamilluck could as well. Uh, you know, I saw Dylan more than I saw Mitch. Um, and yeah, I, I really do think that if, if Dylan Hameluck is in the ECHL this year, he'll, he'll play for Wheeling uh, because he's part of the Pittsburgh organization now. Um, but, He'll, I think Dylan Hamlock has a really good chance of posting 50 plus points this year. I think the same way as well about Mitchell Russell. Um, it's just a matter of can he get uh, back into the shape that he did prior to his injury. It looked like he was he was well on his way last year uh, for Wichita, but unfortunately, uh, just didn't work out for him. Uh, and he was snake bit for most of the year with injuries, as was Dylan Hamlock. So, um, you know, in, in in talking about the forward group as well, like there are some other pieces on this that were signed by the Barracuda in the offseason as well, like a Bradley Merrick and a Connor McEachern, um, who I, I would be interested in seeing. I think, you know, we, we could possibly see Anthony Vincent here. Uh, he played 14 games up in the American Hockey League last year. Uh, registered just to assist, um, you know. I think that there are several different forward pieces, including Mitch Russell, who we could see down here uh, in Wichita this year. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility, not all at once, but we could see six different forwards down here at at through the course of the season. You know, not not all together, of course, but I mean, we could see six different forwards here at any given point this coming season.
1: Yeah, for sure, and and Connor McEachern is a guy that I'm very familiar with. Uh, he went to Penn State, yeah, and he was a very talented player. He's got that McEachern name, you know, and I, I think he's got the pedigree and he can make a name for himself. Uh, there's just a ton of depth that he's going to have to fight through in order to try and get to the, uh, to the AHL and NHL level, but who knows? You know, there's just a ton of question marks as we get – into uh, that portion of it. But Nick is, I, I i really enjoy talking to him. He's so smooth Um yeah. and he does a terrific job on their broadcast. And uh, it's been a, a pleasure getting to know him off uh, the mic and, and learning a little bit more about his personal life. And I think he has a, a bright future for, uh, for himself in the, potentially in the NHL, but uh, he's, he's certainly a guy that I think can be a regular guest on this show and fans
0: will really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll do our best to get Nolly on here uh, as much as we can during the coming season. So we will take one more time out here on the other side of the break. You'll hear our conversation with Wichita Thunder head coach, Bruce Ramsey, and then we'll be back to wrap up the podcast coming up here in just a few moments. We'll be right back. Three, two, one. Chatting with Wichita Thunder head coach Bruce Ramsey here on the Rolling Thunder podcast as we get you set for uh, another season of Wichita Thunder hockey. Big things happening up in the affiliation with the trade of Eric Carlson over the summer uh, from San Jose to Pittsburgh and the Barracuda really signing a lot of depth pieces uh, in the offseason. Coach, uh, let's start uh, with, a uh, I guess, an overall summer view. Uh, how has your summer gone, all things considered?
3: Yeah. Um, I, I don't, other than my unfortunate incident, it's been a great summer, and, um, you know, it's, it's been a little bit too long. I'm really getting excited about getting back and, uh, you know, starting to work with the team and, you know, seeing the guys on the ice and seeing what we have and putting the pieces together to, uh, you know, bring a contender to Wichita.
0: You uh, you brought back um a lot of the uh pieces from last year's team. There are some notable exceptions. Uh, you look at at Cole McDonald, who's gone overseas. Quinn Preston, uh, is gone overseas. What do you like about the group that you were able to retain? Uh, in Brett Boeing, Jason Pinneo, Jay Dickman, Braden Watts, and others.
3: Yeah, you know, there's you know, and then we still have more players to. uh... Uh, That are coming that I'm sure the fans will be very happy over. So um, you know I'm really excited. I think we we, we, first of off we've signed a lot of really good, solid young rookies. Um, I'm excited to see them. But we've also you know got a lot of returning players that have got experience and uh, you know maybe they're not veterans as per se uh, because of the league says, but they're definitely players that are capable and have been in the league and have been around for a while and. Um, should definitely help our younger guys and, you know, be a huge asset for us. You know, we've talked about a guy like Aaron Miller. He's uh, been in Europe the last couple of years. He's still considered a rookie, but, uh, you know, he's going to be an elite player for us. I'm really excited about him. Um, you know, the list goes on. And, and uh, you know, until you see him on the ice and put, start putting pieces together and lines and uh, defensive pairings and uh, seeing what we get down from San Jose, uh, you know, you know, you just kind of hold your hold your breath for a little while just to make sure that, uh, you know, once everything comes together, it all works out good.
1: Coach, when you look at this uh, team as you head into the start of the season, I, I think it certainly starts with the two cornerstone pieces and, you know, Braden Watts and Jay Dickman. Have you had conversations with how their summers have gone and how they
3: are preparing for the start of the season? Yeah. I actually talked to both Braden Watts and Jay Dickman today and, you know, Jay's going to be our player assistant coach, and he's already done a great job, and um, has definitely helped in the recruiting process. It, you know, he knew Aaron Miller before I signed him, and uh, was a big influence on him coming to Wichita. So, he's doing a doing a great job already, and is well respected by his teammates, and uh, you know, just a great individual, uh, you know, all around. So, and does obviously a lot of great things on the ice as well. So, uh, Brayden is. Uh, You know, his wife is pregnant, so he's expecting a a new baby here in the next three or four months, and uh, I'm really excited for him. And he's actually attending San Jose's camp, so um, he's getting prepared for that. And, you know, uh, he's he's right on the cusp, I think, of being a player that can play in the American Hockey League. So hopefully he does well up there and gives him a good showing.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for that injury, who knows? He could have been up for the MVP, was having that type of season before he got hurt.
3: Yeah, he was second in the league in scoring at the time, so obviously it was a huge loss for us. And uh, uh, Yeah, (laughs) we won't recount that, but uh, (laughs) if he has a full year as a healthy player, um, you know, he's going to do a lot of damage.
1: Head coach Bruce Ramsey joining us. Two guys that Matt mentioned that you brought back that you acquired at uh, or near – around or near the trade deadline – uh, and gavin gould and and brett boeing what do you like about what they bring to your
3: forward group well just i i like the experience you know gavin gould was an all-star as a rookie his first year when he played in allen had a great season unfortunately tore his acl at the end of the year and uh you know on a short recovery time he was back playing again last year but um i don't think his knee was ever ever at a hundred percent and um, you know, he's shown definitely some great flashes of brilliance out there. He's very skilled and, and smart with the puck, but uh, probably didn't quite have uh, the energy that he usually brings to the table. But, um, you know, he's had a full year now of healing and says, uh, you know, last summer his his workouts were basically, you know, his ACL getting healed and then starting to play hockey, whereas he's had a full summer to work out and get prepared. And I know he's focused and wants to do really well. Uh, Brett Bowen has been a player that you know has been to the ECHL finals twice. He's got a a lot of playoff experience. Uh, he knows what it takes to win. He's he's been through it, and you know you can't uh, you just can't ask for more than a guy that's had that kind of experience. So um, you know he plays all three positions. He can do almost anything. Plays up and down your lineup. So uh, obviously another great addition as well and. You know, they showed it. They were both very good for us at the end of the year. We when we made a little bit of a run at the end, obviously missing out on the playoffs by one point was really disappointing. But um, uh, you know, we battled right to the end and put ourselves in a spot to make the playoffs and they were a big part of it.
0: And you don't expect for Brett Boeing, uh, who after that trade from Reading was just snake bit uh offensively for your hockey club. Uh, I think it's fair to assume given the firepower on this roster at least heading into the season and the familiarity that he he had with somebody like a Jason Pinio, you don't expect for him to be uh that snake bit to start this season yeah
3: well no, I, I, but there's a lot of other good qualities that he brings to the table he's a really good penalty killer um you know and that that's a huge bonus and like I said can can play all three positions and was still reliable defensively. Um, you know, he had a sore knee at the end of the year, so he wasn't at 100% either. So, you know, really counting on him for some big minutes for us. And, um, you know, he can produce. He's showing that, and especially not easy to produce as a player on a Toledo roster that's, you know, usually pretty loaded with uh, a ton of talent. So just even find the ice and uh, get that opportunity to put up points is hard. And, you know, he had he had a 20-goal, 40-plus 40, 40 plus point season for them. Um, and also, obviously, like I said, going to the Kelly Cup twice is was a, was a huge experience that you know, we kind of lacked last year that we need.
0: Let's talk about your defensive core. And I think the name that jumps out for a lot of uh, folks who have watched hockey, even going back into the 90s, is Dmitry Yuskevich, uh, who is the son of former uh, Toronto Maple Leaf and Philadelphia Flyer Dmitry Yuskevich. Uh what what do you know about his game, and what do you feel like he could add to your hockey club?
3: Well, um, I know he's really excited to come to North America and play. Um, you know, and he still, still has a Canadian passport, so we've got immigration figured out. And, uh, you know, we're excited to have him. Obviously, he comes from very good bloodlines, but, um, you know, he's been playing at a high-level hockey for a number of years and, uh, you know, just wanted to experience North America. You know, his dad uh, played in the NHL for a number of years. So we had that experience. So, um, you know, I I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, I know he's solid and all the reviews I've gotten from people are, are great. He's solid defensively. He hits, uh, he's physical, makes a good first pass uh, and plays strong in his defensive zone. So uh, those are the kind of players that we want. And uh, you know, he's going to be a big asset for us as well.
0: And then looking uh, also at the, at the decor as well, from what you have announced so far, Dominic Dockery and Xavier Pugliot are the only two uh returning players. Um Dominic is as steady as anybody. What do you hope that Xavier Pugliot brings to the table here in his sophomore season in the ECHL?
3: Yeah, I, I loved what he brought to the table for us last year. That that kid is uh he's a beast. He he hits hard, he plays hard, um, you know, put up good points in Canadian University, he was a leader, he was the captain there. Um, has all kinds of great attributes that, you know, I'm excited to see him get an opportunity to play a full season. Um, Hits like a freight train. Uh, Is not scared to drop the gloves, almost too aggressive sometimes, but he's going to be a menace in the defensive zone for us. And I thought last year that was the one area that we definitely need to be better in is defensively. Our specialty teams were very good. Our uh, offense was very good. Um, we just gave up too much, and uh, we need to be better in that area. And He's going to be you know, one of one of the prime guys that I'm going to rely on to make sure that we're solid back there uh, night in, night out.
1: I know one player, Joel, uh, our GM, is really excited about, and he mentions that you're excited as well as, as Leighton Moore. Can you talk a little bit about what you feel he adds to uh, the D core, and, and can he replace a, a Cole McDonald maybe as your quarterback in the power play?
3: Yeah, you know, there's a kid that's put up 50-plus points in the OHL in the last couple of years, uh, a plus player, um, you know, probably one of the better defensemen in all of major junior hockey throughout Canada. Uh, Probably the one biggest uh, thing that hindered him a little bit is is his size. But, um, you know, everything tells me about him and what I've heard and research that, you know, he's very calm with the puck. He makes good plays. Uh, Is capable, uh, you know, being a clutch defenseman as well. Um, You know, there's a lot, but you know, never seen a lot of these guys play before. So a lot of times you just gotta get them on the ice and throw them to the wolves. It's obviously a big step coming from major junior to the ECHL and. but, um, you know, really excited about him. And like you said, you know, we need somebody to replace Cole on the power play. Our power play was very good last year. We don't want to miss a beat there. It won us a lot of hockey games. So, And Cole was outstanding. But, uh, you know, he got a great opportunity in Europe. And that's a positive for him for coming to Wichita. He was that close to retiring. So uh, for him to be able to come back and play and keep his career going was uh, makes, makes me feel good, obviously. And um, happy and excited for him to have a good season. But, um, yeah, Lake will be a good D for us.
1: Head coach, Bruce Ramsey, joining us. Any other players that you've brought in that you feel like the fans should know about and that you're excited about?
3: Well, you know, we we, we look, list goes on. You know, Jake Wall is back. He was one of our hardest workers and uh, most energetic players that we had. Uh, Peter Bates, I can't say enough about him. I think the sky's the limit for him. He's one of the Chicago Wolves camp Um uh, you know, had 20 goals last year, but scored a lot of those uh, later on in the season. And, um, you know, I I have no doubts that he's capable of being a 30-goal 30, 30 scorer in the ECHL. You know, Pinio um, was very, very solid for us last year. It's hard to find good, solid centermen that uh, play both ends of the ice, kill penalties and take big draws. And uh, he came in and did a really good job for us that way as well. I uh, love having Dylan Boucher back, you know, big, strong, tough leader kind of player. He was a captain at uh, his school in uh, in, in Canada uh, when he left and, um, you know, did some damage for us when he was on the ice and, uh, you know, provided a little bit of fear for the opposing team. Um, so, yeah, lots. And, you know, there's um, a couple good D, like Ethan Roswell, uh, Jeremy Macella, Matt Shreddle. uh Those three guys, I think, have, have a lot of promise as well. Um, I bought signed Chase Spencer, who played last year for Adrian College, who was a division three national championship team. And he was basically the best defenseman on that team. So arguably he won lots of awards. and was arguably the best defenseman in division three last year. So I'm really excited about seeing him on the ice as well.
0: Final couple of questions for me. Uh, how hard was the sell job to get Trevor Gorsuch to sign and and return here to Wichita after uh, almost getting the thunder into the playoffs
3: yeah that, that wasn't too hard. He told me in our end of season media that he's ready to come back and sign so uh, he was probably one of the first players I had a I had uh, committed to coming back
0: and then in that same vein with with the possibility that you're going to get at least one possibly two goaltenders from San Jose uh, it it has to feel I, I think you have to feel some layer of security knowing that Trevor Gorsuch, uh is back there and will be able to 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 do whatever you need him to do uh regardless of who the goaltender is uh in front of him from the from up above yeah i
3: I thought he was outstanding for us when he came in and he was under a lot of pressure and did a great job um you know he's he just goes in and he just plays and he's going to do whatever it takes to uh you know help us win which he did when he was here before and uh, but I don't expect us to have three goalies. You know, it might be a situation like last year where uh, we have a goalie sit down for a few games and get called back up. But um, as we learned last year, like you have to have depth at goaltending uh, in order to be successful. And we had three or four weeks spent where we didn't have a uh, good goaltending and it cost us the playoffs.
0: Uh, what What's next for you here? Uh, we're getting ready for camps to open up uh, across the <laughs> NHL here. Uh, in the next couple of days, and then the AHL opens up next week. Your calendar is going to get pretty full here very soon. Yeah,
3: um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be ended up uh, going to San Jose's camp for a few days, and uh, you know, get to meet some of the players, and obviously talk to the guys that we have going there, and meet staff and everybody out throughout the San Jose organization. It's kind of cool when. Uh, you know, both teams are based out of the same area, so um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of brass around. But uh, it'll be nothing but a positive for uh, for us and as uh, Wichita Thunder and being an affiliate with the San Jose and strengthen that relationship as well. And then get back and get ready for camp.
0: How does uh, how do your camp plans change with no ice currently in the ice center?
3: Well, uh, fortunately, the great city of Wichita is. Uh, put ice in uh, the interest bank arena for us and we're gonna have our full camp at interest, which is uh which is great. Um I'd really like to see um ice getting ready and uh you know set for, for all the youth hockey and all the people that love the game of hockey that can't play right now because they haven't had ice all summer so hopefully that gets uh gets fixed and uh you know that that's all set when we need ice there we're obviously gonna be able to go practice and uh, not have to do an off off-site, off-site workload, I guess. But um, you know, it is a uh, real nice though to definitely have training camp at our main rink for the full two weeks. And I'm excited about that.
0: Kind of get you used to the to the quirks of having of that rink, which which, as you know, uh, is is you know some boards are jutted out a little bit further than others, and the glass is not exactly lined up the right way. Sometimes it's it's a quirky rink, but it's that good that two weeks is good to get you in there and get used to that
3: yeah we'll we'll figure out all the the quirks that we have to put together and get the guys working on it but uh yeah this will be my first camp I think uh since I've been there where we've been at the main rank the whole time so uh that may just make things a lot easier and uh, uh you know better for the players in general
0: all right sounds good thanks very much for doing this man safe travels across the border and out to California and uh We'll catch up with you here as we get counting down to the season. All right, nice talking to you guys. We'll see you Take soon.
1: Take care, uh, coach, and let me know if you're bringing two dogs instead of one so I can prepare, okay?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah you better, you, you got to be prepared for more, so we got some major road trips. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: <my God. laughs> Sounds good. Oh, goodness gracious. I apparently I turn into a doggy dog sitter time whenever uh, he's on the road and I end up having to watch Molson. That's always a treat. Let me tell you.
0: I think hard rock kind of suits Rammer a little bit. So that is how we bring you back to the podcast after our chat with him. Our thanks to uh, Wichita Thunder head coach, Bruce Ramsey for stopping by and giving us uh, some of his time uh, as he's finishing up the last few days there on the farm in Ontario. You know the the funny thing about
1: about that, and I don't know if we had a chance to mention this yet or not, Matt. So if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. But before he got on with us, he was out hunting with <laughs> his. Uh, other i guess he's got another dog up there yeah by the name of watson it's a chocolate lab and they were out running around we got a hold of him he shot a pigeon <laughs> right before he calls me and he said the dog ran and picked up the pigeon and then ran off and he didn't know where it went so that's <laughs> just a rammer type story getting ready for the season he's out shooting <laughs> pigeons near uh near his cabin
0: and he said he was gonna he said he was gonna clean the pigeon and eat it.
1: <laughs> no thanks. You gotta you gotta wonder how isolated he is up there, right?
0: You know what? I would I would go to, I would go to the cottage and hang out with him at the cottage for a, for a few days. I'd eat the fish, but you're asking me to eat pigeon? I'm gonna pass. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find a McDonald's or something like that when I come out. So fresh pigeon doesn't uh, fresh suit your fancy. That's yeah, that's going to be a no from me, dog.
1: <laughs> what if he found a frog? Would you eat frog legs?
0: No. No, just no. fish. Okay. Just just fish, and I I mean, in this, I don't know if I want to tell this, but here we go. Um, I've been to Mexico once before. I went in June but it was back in 99 and I was with a mission group so um they had caught a four-legged animal and I they offered it up to us because they were they had you know Mexican people living in the house and stuff like that and they were making the dinner one night and they offered up the four-legged animal as dinner Oh gosh. Yeah. But it's. Don't sound
1: too uh, excited about this. No.
0: No. It's not a badge of honor for me. (laughs) I'll tell you off air what it was, but it was not a cow. Okay. Was not a cow.
1: And it wasn't good?
0: It was uh, very gamey.
1: All right. Okay. Yeah. I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to be out on the pigeon. But I'll be there for the I'll be there for the fish.
1: So what if he told you that pigeon tastes like chicken? Would you still I'm not out. eat it? I'm out. Okay, I'm still out. All right. Well, we'll have to ask him how the pigeon tastes.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But
1: regardless, um, I know I was kidding around with him at the end. Um, I don't know what it's going to be like if he does end up bringing both those dogs down here, because if I have to watch Molson, Addison, and Watson at the same time. That's not going to fly if I'm trying to do a radio broadcast. You
0: you may just lose your mind. You may have to call, you may have to call me and I may have to come over and hang out with the dogs just so you can have a quiet room.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh, got to love hockey season, Matt.
0: Yes. <laughs> Broadcaster, dog sitter, everything but chief cook and bottle washer.
1: Hey, you know what? As long as I don't have to eat that pigeon, I'm good. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that story just fits him to a T. It mean, does. For those for those who don't know, um, and if you're a huge fisherman, and I think I talked about this a couple of times, but he he makes his own fishing rods. Yes. So if you ever want to buy a fishing rod from Bruce, I'm sure he can hook you up.
0: Yes, and they don't snap. He said Have he's he ever- used. He said he used the same one that he made right after COVID started, and the season was over. He went home, he made one, He use, he's still using that to this day. They don't snap. Really? Yeah.
1: Maybe we need to go and test out those rods with him sometime to go fishing.
0: Well, not in the pond by the apartment.
1: I'm not going near that
0: pond. No.
1: <laughs> he likes going over there and Molson jumps into the water and I'm oh, like, okay, have, stay away from me. Have
0: you seen how much duck crap is over there? Or <laughs> pass. Or pass. <laughs> I lived Hard over past. there. I there, lived over there. Much for, better places to go fish. I lived over there for 2 years. I couldn't get a clean I couldn't get a clean square on the path for the life of me.
1: Well, it wasn't the lake in between. It was that river that's behind Newport that he usually would go to.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: it's still not clean.
0: I know no. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll find we'll get Rammer to go to like a bigger lake um and we'll have to try those out at some point this year
1: for sure yeah so for sure but getting to his conversation of what mm-hmm. he had in regards to the current roster that he's put together what was your first impression uh in listening to him talk about the makeup and how the season could turn out
0: I thought he was really excited about the roster to be honest um you know he he uh, we talked about Aaron Miller earlier in the podcast. He was really high on him. Uh, you know the fact that you know he was able to get Peter Bates uh, an AHL camp deal with uh, the Chicago Wolves, who will pretty much take anybody these days. Not that Peter Bates is bad. It's just that the Chicago Wolves don't have an affiliation this year. Um, uh, Peter Bates is going to to you know he's looking for big things from Peter Bates. He knows what he's going to get from Dickman and Watts. So I think that's that kind of goes without saying. I think he um I, I think if you're if you're wanting to put some money on a player for this year that they're gonna have a solid bounce back year, for me, my money would go on Brett Boeing. Uh, how many times did you and I call a game and going down the stretch last year where Brett Boeing was in on a breakaway and airmailed the and airmailed the shot over the net or he hit the post or the puck rolled off his stick at the at the side of the net mouth, like how many times did that happen to the poor guy? Just snake bit after the trade from uh, Reading to Wichita. I think Brett will bounce back in a big way this year because he's probably still likely to be paired with Jason Pinio, and those two were developing a good chemistry toward the end of the year. So you bring that along for another year, and you see how that develops. Um, But I think the other thing that he's excited about to me is the depth at the center position. You look at Mark Zukov, Jason Pinio, Jay Dickman's a center, Brett Boeing can be center, uh, Peter Bates can be a center, Kelly Bennett is a center. So you have no less than six centermen, not counting what is coming from San Jose in the forward group. And you have plenty of depth at the center position, which is something that the Thunder have struggled with uh, w- winning faceoffs and things like that, uh, for the last several years.
1: And let's not forget Jake Wallen, who oh, I yeah. think is yeah, that, Mr. Yeah. Everything. Yes. Uh, he to me is one of my favorite players to watch. I mean, he's not flashy. He doesn't uh, load up on the points, but man, he's the type of guy that really is that glue guy on your team that, that yeah. brings, uh, brings that locker room together and, and is such a good penalty killer. I, I love Jake and hopefully he's able to get healthy after he suffered that injury late in the season. But I do agree with you in regards to Brett Boeing. And I think the other guy you mentioned coming off of that injury would be Gavin Gould, who was a former all-star. So yeah. those two could be a uh, huge in terms of depth on the forward side, uh, you know, Gavin coming off of that knee injury a couple of years ago. And like coach said, he really wasn't ever himself. So yeah. those are two guys that can be bounce back players for sure.
0: And it would not surprise me in the least to see Jake Wallen wear the captain C opening night.
1: That that's a pretty good bet. Either him or uh, you know Brayden Watts. I could um, yeah. see either one of those two uh, yeah.
0: wearing wearing the uh, the C. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right about about um, Gavin Gould about how you know. You saw, like I said, you saw flashes of it in the last three to six games of the year, where it felt like he was finally getting that speed and that power back in his knee. It'll be great. It'll be uh, interesting to see what uh, six months of of rehab will do, uh, and another six months of getting strength in your legs. Trust me, you can't have too much strength in your legs uh, when you get back into the ice. When you get back to the ice, so um, looking for. For big things from both Jake Wallen and uh, Gavin Gould here as we go through the year,
1: I, I really liked his answer about the defensive core because I think you and I both, you know, we look at the way that group is set up, and there are some question marks. Not gonna lie, but yeah. there is some intrigue with you know Leighton Moore, um, Jeremy Masella comes over, who's played a couple of years in the league, so you know you you don't have a lot of returning players on the back end and you're trying to replace uh, your quarterback in the power play went overseas in Cole McDonald. And you touched on that during the interview. So um, I'm interested to see how that group is able to gel. Uh, The one thing he did mention that I thought was interesting was, you know, trying to keep guys away from the front of the net and Xavier Pouliot really brings that muscle down low.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, And, and he's coaches really, really high, on Xavier Pulia and and what he can bring to the table from a physical aspect um, as well, and just that. And I, I I think if you look at him and you maybe look at Jeremy Masella, who could be that way as well, you could have a really stout, tough first D pair to play against uh, this year. Again, that that group is going to be really young, and they're going to give up their chances, but as we've talked about you know they have by by game 35 40 and on that's not a that's not a young group anymore and there are and dominic dockery is going to be the mainstay of that defensive group and dominic is as steady as they come on defense
1: yeah i i like his game and i it's interesting i was having a conversation with somebody in the office about dockery and i mentioned You know, he plays a lot like the way I used to play. You know, you're not flashy. You're not that offensive style. We're going to pile up a lot of points, but you're solid in your own defensive zone. You're reliable um, in front of your own net. And he's really good about winning battles in the corners and getting that puck up to the forwards. And uh, that's the one thing that I think he does bring to the table on that back end, because not only are you missing Dockery, you're missing Connor Walters who moved on, Mm -hmm. Uh, Zach Hoffman moved on. I'm probably missing a couple on the back end. Chris McKay is no longer there. So there's a huge amount of turnover on that defensive side. So, and with me being a defenseman, I kind of tend to lean on that side of the puck, man. I love forwards who can score, but I, you know, I'm a huge defensive guy. I love defensemen. I've always been a fan of them and, I want to make sure that this team has a solid th- th- three pairings that they can roll out each and every night. So you know, I, to me, Leighton Moore is the one that I think he's most excited about back there, and as as is Joel Lomerno, because Joel talked highly about his game coming over from uh, junior hockey.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll be fun to see him play. Um, and, you know, lest we forget, you know, we went into this, we went into the season last year about this time, thinking, "Well, what are the Thunder going to do on defense?" And here comes Cole McDonald and Dylan McPherson. So, um, could we see that same kind, those same kind of moves again this year? Don't know because we'll see how the rosters shake out uh, once we get down to it uh, with camp. But uh, certainly, I mean, if you are Bruce Ramsey, you are going to have to, sh- you are going to have to see uh what's out there i mean if i think it wouldn't i think it would benefit him to look out there and see what's there on defense um and if it it means giving up a forward piece or two to get there you make that trade well he did it last year you get
1: rid of one of your best centermen in carter johnson who was a fan favorite and bring in a a number one defenseman and dylan mcpherson who's also gone i almost forgot about him
0: yeah Yeah, and and Dylan ended up being the team captain there for a while before the other Mac brother took it over. So um, it'll be. I think I think if you're a Thunder fan right now, you have to feel good with where you're at with the forwards. The defensemen need a little bit of work, but we'll see what happens with that uh, once they get on the ice. It's all conjecture until until that happens so uh begin to shut down here the podcast uh saturday night the uh coyotes and blues inside interest bank arena you're pretty pumped for that i guess
1: yeah i mean like i mentioned earlier i wish we were watching you know some of these nhlers like potentially logan cooley who is actually in australia with the coyotes for the global series but you know it's it's still guys that potentially could make um their name known and I, i'm excited to see kind of how this turns out i don't know who's going to be here i know that cameron Hebig earned a, a professional tryout with uh, the coyotes he could potentially be playing on saturday and if you don't remember who he is he was here during the milk and cameron days when we were with the bakersfield condors so I know he's been playing with the Tucson Roadrunners the last couple of seasons, and he's trying to make a an impression and get an NHL contract at some point. So um, it's just fun to have hockey back in the building. I know Hannah's really excited, which you know she, I, I can't keep her away from an ice rink when the the seasons <laughs> yeah. seasons here. So well, should be fun. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: One thing I do want to mention before we leave. Yeah. I have had a bunch of questions about this, and I just want to make this public now so there's not any more questions being asked. Um, There will be. What's that?
0: I said there will be.
1: There will be, but (laughs) training camp is 100% happening at the uh, arena. I know there's been some issues with the ice-making machine over at the ice center, and Joel has already made the decision with Interest Bank Arena Mm -hmm. to have training camp Over there, they're going to put the ice down a week early, uh, and and potentially we could have an intrasquad game. I don't know if uh, that's 100% going to happen. We're going to have to work that out with Coach and Joel, uh, and potentially announce something in that regard later on. Mm -hmm. But there is no there is no preseason game this year for the Thunder, so that's why that potentially could happen. Uh, and I know people are like, well, can we go watch training camp? Well, no, unfortunately, the arena uh, does not allow fans in the building unless there's security in the building, which is why training camp will be uh, for not attendees. It's just not going to happen. And, and I wish we could, but unfortunately, that's the hand we're dealt. The ice center is is not operational at this point in time. So the training camp, will start on the 10th and it's going to take place over at interest bank arena.
0: Yeah. And uh, you really hate it for Sean O'Reilly and that group over there at the ice center who uh, have tried and tried and tried and tried to make this work. Uh, they are getting close though, uh, from what I've heard and uh, it will, we'll get back to hockey there sooner rather than later. Um, it's, you have a have an ice rink who, that's been there for 30 years and it's been, you know, 30 years of 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 dilapidation and this is bound to happen. So, um, you know, we wish Sean and all of those uh group over there at the ice center the best here as they continue to uh work through things and hopefully we'll get back on the ice over there at the ice center uh very soon. But uh yes, uh training camp will be at inter, at Intrust Bank Arena. That is uh that's good. I mean, that gets the group in about a week early or two or two weeks early actually from where they normally would be. The second week of camp is always at IBA. The first week is not. So now everybody's in about a week earlier. And you get to figure out how things are in that place. It's kind of a quirky place. The boards aren't generally all the way lined up most of the time. The glass is kind of off kilter slightly from where it from another piece. And so uh, it's always kind of cool to find those things out early on in camp and, and get used to playing on your own home ice. So uh, we'll, well,
1: the, one yeah. thing that I don't know if fans that maybe don't go to training camp understand when it is at the ice center, Matt, they get dressed at the arena and then they take a car ride in their equipment minus their skates over to the ice center. Yeah. So now you don't have to worry about doing that at right. least while the the guys learn more about who they are and, and get used to each other, at least some of the newer pieces, but uh, you don't have that issue. And I know Frank is not a huge fan of having to do that, but unfortunately that's just the way it is when you're in a building that's being used for other things other than hockey.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, I think that's uh, that's going to wrap it up here for episode number one of season two of the podcast. Uh, appreciate you checking us out, and thanks to our friends at the Hockey Podcast Network for uh, taking us in and uh, and giving us a little bit of DraftKings promo to run here in the middle of the podcast. And uh, hopefully, you guys check them out. Lots of good podcasts over there uh, about the NHL, uh, and then ours uh, with the ECHL. The Coastcast is over there, and then Rolling Thunder will be there uh, sooner or later. So. Uh, that is going to do it for us here on episode one of season two of the podcast. Thank you all so very much for listening. Malzi and I will talk to you in a couple of weeks as we continue to count down to camp. My buddy, thank you uh, for very, very much for doing this, man. And uh, hopefully I'll see you Saturday night. Enjoy your night. We'll talk to you this weekend. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you all at the rink. Have a good rest of your week. And we'll talk to you again soon. This has been the Rolling Thunder Podcast, giving you a look at the ECHL's Wichita Thunder. Want to hear more? Download the show on any major podcast platform and support the Hockey Podcast Network. Stay current on all the news, listen to live hockey games and other podcasts covering the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the Field Pass Hockey app.